Welcome to Books at Work, the best and most useful bits of business books. When you look at all of these successful organizations around the world, the reason they're successful is because of the way that people show up and work together. You know, it, it, it's not some kind of magic formula. They're not sprinkling furry dust on everybody's desks. I'm Anna Hughes, and that voice you're hearing is Colin D. Ellis. He's the author of Culture Fix, How to Create a Great Place to Work. Culture Fix is my favourite book about culture, and I can't wait to share it with you. First off, thank you to everyone who listened and gave feedback about our Books at Work pilot. After each episode, we're giving away a copy of the book that was featured. So congratulations, Fiona White, a hard copy of the Changemakers book is on its way to you. So please share what you think about the book and what you might have done differently as a result. So let's get into Culture Fix. Let's get our speed read of Culture Fix started. I'm only going to focus on two or three things out of the Culture Fix book because there's so much in here. So the things I'm going to talk about are why culture matters and why it's valuable. My personal copy of the Culture Fix book is pretty dog-eared. It's got lots of notes throughout it. It's also got 12 pages dedicated to references, research, evidence and case studies which give proof about why vibrant cultures make a difference and why they matter. I want to start with the first line in the book, which says there's nothing more important than culture. And why is that? It's because culture is about people. And people are what drive success. According to the Culture Fix book, culture is what gets people out of bed in the morning and it's often the last thing they think about work at night when they go to bed. Books That Work is all about sharing the useful bits of business books, so I am going to spend a bit of time rattling through stats, figures and numbers to help build the case for culture. Colin and the Culture Fix book argue really strongly that culture needs investment. That means dedication to culture, that means time and that means money. Fast and cheap solutions won't work. They won't create the sort of vibrant cultures that will actually deliver results. Here are some of the numbers that the Culture Fix book sets out. Now, bear with me, it might sound like a bit of a list, but there's really useful stuff in here. So, here goes. Higher sales, higher profitability, and higher productivity. Anywhere between 17 and 21% higher levels of these things. If you've got a vibrant culture and it's evolving, you can expect around 40% lower absenteeism, around 60% lower turnover, and 70% fewer safety incidents. And then there are things like better quality products, increased competitive achievement, better comms, more ideas and innovation, and continual learning, and of course, increased customer satisfaction. So the evidence shows that culture does drive success, but it needs to be the number one investment in an organization according to Culture Fix. It can't just be talked about. One of the building blocks of a vibrant culture is values. For values to be truly valuable, they need to represent what your organisation truly stands for. 
What makes you different from your competitors? What's unique to your organisation or team? According to the book, they need to be straight up and straight talking, not glib marketing statements. The next piece of the culture puzzle is behaviours. Behaviours make culture real. They define a culture. So the checklist for whether or not we're behaving in a way that's going to build a vibrant culture is this. First of all, it starts with each of us and what we do. You can't tell people how to change behaviour. You have to show them, and that means role modelling. That also means a real level of self-awareness about what you're doing and how you're coming across. I really like in the book the phrase, you're only as good as a behaviour you walk past. So to build a vibrant culture, you need to hold each other accountable for your behaviours, celebrate the good and deal with the poor performance. I'm going to leave the Culture Fix speed read there and let's get into the conversation with Colin to put some flesh on these bones. So I'm really delighted to have Colin D. Ellis with us for this Books That Work podcast. Welcome, Colin. Thank you, Anna. It's great to be here. What does the D stand for? Good question. <laughs> Often get people get creative with the answer. It stands for David. So there's a kind of tradition. I think it's a Northwest England tradition where the, mi- the middle name of your first child takes the first name of father or mother. So David is my dad's name. I was the first of three boys. So that's a wonderful little introduction. I was going to talk about the fact that you were a leadership expert, a culture expert, originally from Liverpool, now in, in Melbourne, uh, and you did spend a little bit of time in New Zealand. But hopefully people could have picked some of that up in, in that little first introduction to, to you. <laughs> Um, So Culture Fix, uh, for me, is a playbook for anyone interested in culture. And it only just dawned on me this morning around the title. So I'd always thought Culture Fix, fixing culture. And then I love this book. I get so much out of it. Every time I read it, every time I open it to one of my doggy pages, there's something that jumps out at me. And I realized, actually, I'm getting a, a culture fix out of it. It's my fix for culture. So thank you. <laughs> it does. I, that, that was the that was the reason that I chose the title was for that double meaning because I wanted it to be a handbook for managers, Anna. And I, I know we'll probably talk about some of this stuff, but I, I, I did, and, and I think from time to time people just do need a little bit of a fix on certain things, a fix in terms of I'm getting something or fixing I need to do something. So yeah, it does have that double meaning. Wonderful. Uh, And I want to start each Books at Work podcast just to understand where in the world are you and what's the view like out your window today, Colin? I am in Melbourne in Australia. The view, so I'm in my home office, got a fireplace behind me and I'm looking directly ahead of me is a window that's kind of partially obscured by a an old net curtain, I guess you would call it. Uh, and outside is a road. It's a small road. We're about 20, about a 20 minute walk from the center of Melbourne, but it's a nice quiet street here with a big tree out, a big gum tree outside, which is lovely. I love that picture. Thank you. Now I want to get into it because what we're trying to do is get really tangible ideas and insights that people can use. We've already done our, our little summary of Culture Fix. So let's get into some of those meaty questions. I'm really curious to understand why the case for culture has to be spelt out so specifically. 
Well, because, uh, and you know, this is something that when I was a permanent employee myself, Anna, is that senior managers, I was probably one of them at some stage of my career, are very good at talking about culture. I think there's a, almost a subconscious recognition of the importance of culture. Um, but I don't think that there's enough knowledge of kind of what it actually is. I, you know, I, it, again, in my experience, it's always, it was always esoteric. It was always, we had to bring in consultants to help us with our culture. I was like, well, but why? Because, you know, culture is the sum of everyone's attitudes, beliefs, behaviors, traditions, skills. It should be a, a you know, the, the art of building culture should be something that everybody in the business has. And so I think, you know, it's important to not only spell out the value of culture, but also actually what it is so that people can take that tangible action in order to create something that people not only want to be a part of, but feel happy to belong to. Because when we get that, then that's when we get productive work. And of course, when we get productive work, we get results. I was keen for us to focus on two or three things from your book. Um, the first is around values and the value of values. What, well, tell me about that. What, what is the value of values? Well, great. And, and, you know, as we go through this, Anna, and, and so there'll be certain, you know, be listeners on the podcast going, oh, yeah, my organization talks about that. Oh, yeah, my organization talks about that. And so, you know, I, what I'd like people to do is to kind of self-reflect on kind of what these things actually mean. And I think values often are mistaken for behaviors. Values are those emotional connections or they provide emotional direction for the people that work within a culture to help them achieve whatever it is that we want to achieve. And, and you know, there is this confusion. I think one of the, you know, kind of biggest values, and there's so many surveys that are done that identify what these things are. And I think there was in, in 2014, Maitland, who are a PR company, did some research and they found from the FTSE 100 companies, integrity, respect, and innovation crop up in pretty much everyone's set of values, which is a, an example of just how lazy we've become around the, you know, the definition of our culture. But values are things that provide emotional direction. Um, you, you, you're looking to build a culture of people who want the same kinds of things. Um, and in order to attract the kind of people that you need in order to be successful, then people need to be able to live those values. So when we talk about hiring people for culture fit, we're looking for people with shared values. That's what we're looking for. Because when you have that emotional connection between people and, you know, they can have different personalities, they can communicate in different ways. Um, but if they have that same value set, then that's where the magic really happens. So interested in that blandness of values. I think you said respect and integrity. Everybody wants that. In your book, you talk about the fact that we need to move away from that. Why do, why do values need to be specific to an organization? Because they, they've got to mean something to that particular organization at that particular time, Anna. Um, you, you can't just outsource this stuff. You can't outsource culture to a PR agency and get them to come up with some flashy statements. You, you need to involve the staff in defining, well, you know, kind of what's the value of what we do in order for it to be specific. So, you know, the tech companies do it really well. The tech companies do it really well because they recognize that, that well, they've got challenging targets that they set themselves. 
they want to make sure that they bring in people that contribute to future success, not upset the balance of current success. Uh, and they recognize the, the good that individuals can bring, but only when they feel connected to something that's bigger than themselves. Um, so they've got to be specific to that organization at that point in time. So, you know, people, you know, Zappos have 10 core values. And then when you walk through the office, you feel those 10 core values. I was in Sydney yesterday. One of my friends works at Atlassian. They have five core values. And you see people living, you know, values are there to be lived, not laminated. You know, the things that you see out in the open, the things that you see in corporate communications, you see on kind of video interactions or face-to-face -face interactions. So you can't come up with some bland statements because they've got to mean something to that organization at that point in time. So some of those things that you've touched on are a mix of symbols, but also behaviors. You're, you're talking about that, that how things feel when you're in an organization. Keen to explore behaviors a bit more and this idea of yours about the need to create lasting change um, and lasting lasting change to behaviors for cultures to be successful. Yeah, culture change, what I love is culture change programs, like almost like there's an end date. There's there's never any end dates to culture. You know, the, the, the work that I do is based around cultural evolution. And there are people you can say, oh, he's splitting hairs with his words. But but really, we don't, I guess my job is to teach people how to do culture themselves. And a big part of that, in fact, the, the foundation for any kind of transformation of any organization is personal behavior change. And so what it requires is moving from one state to another. So it, it requires that recognition that as individuals, we've all got to do something slightly different if as an organization and as individuals, we ever want to grow, Anna. So behaviors are your personal commitments. It's what are you going to do? Like tangibly, what are you going to do that's different? Yeah, I remember one of the first exercises I ran with my team about this. When I, when I didn't really have much of a structure, it was based on my own experience. So this is kind of the mid 2000s, early 2000s. And we talked about, well, you know, kind of we had this, this base of underperformance and we wanted to become a high performing team. You know, I remember saying we all have to change. We all have to do something different. What are those five key behaviors that we think that we need as a team in order for us to get from where we are right now to where we need to be? Now, you know, in an ideal world, what you do is you demonstrate 21, 22 behaviors every day and you are exemplary individuals. But in order to get that shift, we need to kind of really zone in on what were those key things. So, for example, courage was one because we weren't very good at holding each other to account. Accountability was another you know, having those difficult conversations, being able to speak up, recognizing that we needed to create safe workspaces that, you know, really encourage diversity of opinion. Um, and, and so in order to get any kind of change, any kind of evolution, it starts with self. So the behaviors are a way of identifying, well, what as an individual, as a human being, do you need to tweak in order to contribute to future success? If you're uh, going through this and you're building your culture and organization and you're changing your behaviors, what does that feel like? Is it, is it easy? Oh gosh, no, uh, it's, it's not easy. And most transformational, most cultural evolutions program fail because people just don't have the stickability uh, for that behavior change. If anyone's ever changed the habit, you know how hard it is. People giving up smoking, stop drinking, you know, 
tech, having discipline around your tech, you know it's really, really hard. Um, but on the other side of that kind of toughness is personal growth. And so this is where we need to help each other. And, you know, I'm very big on creating account small accountability groups to really help each other, to coach each other, to mentor each other on the things that we need to do differently. Um, but, you know, what's in it for you? Because people often like, oh, well, what's 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 in it for me? The, the organization's culture grows, but what's in it for me? Well, you become a better human being that's able to build lasting relationships, who's able to communicate with people who aren't you. Not only that, you're making time for your own self-reflection, your own development, so that you can continually grow as a human being and be relevant regardless of which year you're working in. And so I think that's what's in it for individuals. And so what's in it for organizations? Well, they get to, they, they actually get to move the needle on engagement. They actually get to lift results. They improve resilience. They improve productive time. They have fewer safety incidents. There's so many statistics uh, that, you know, you can draw out when it comes to, you know, evolving your culture. If you create the right conditions where people feel safe to speak up, where people, you know, kind of don't clam up in meetings, we recognize that everyone's got something slightly different to offer. If we empower people, if we, you know, if we're, we're really good at setting expectations well and are then helping people to achieve those expectations, that's where success is. You know, when you look at all of these successful organizations around the world, the reason they're successful is because of the way that people show up and work together. You know, it, it, it's not some kind of magic formula. They're not sprinkling furry dust on everybody's desks. It's because they've actually taken the time to define the conditions for success and leaders have role modeled what they expect of everybody else. And so, you know, putting the time and effort and money, right, because we pay lip service to culture, because actually when you take the time to define your culture, so the staff defining the culture, that's when you can hold each other accountable and that's when you drive each other to success. All these great ideas about culture, what do you know and understand to be true to help culture stick? What needs to happen? You, well, you need a number of factors, Anna. Firstly, you need that understanding of what culture is. I think that's often missing. Um, and you need it across the organization. You, you need that full understanding that, you know, to get everybody, I hate getting everyone on the same page, but it's true. We don't understand what it is. So it's hard to ever get there because people don't get it. Then what you need is that real commitment from senior leadership team that culture is the number one priority. I recently, uh, well, earlier this year, I uh, turned down some work with an organization in New Zealand because the CEO said culture was number three or four on his list. I was like, well, this is not going to work because if culture is not your number one priority, then nothing else is. You know, the things above culture were programs of work, which ironically required really good culture in order to deliver. Um, so it... It needs that commitment uh, from the senior leadership team. It needs them to sign up to behavior change too. It needs them to understand that they're role models for everything else. Uh, and then it needs uh, staff to be given the time to define what the culture needs to be. And it has to be the staff. You can't do it. You can't do culture to people. I had a meeting yesterday and a guy was like, right, so you're a culture change consultant. You'll take this information. You'll tell us what it needs to be. I'm like, no, no, no. I'll facilitate a process where your people get to understand what culture is and they'll define what they need in order to be successful. 
Um, and then, you know, at the end of that, you've got that accountability is how are you holding yourself to account? And of course, you might want to measure it along the way. And we're very good at using engagement surveys to kind of measure culture. And if you want to use a number, I think that can be valuable. But only if you've got a program in place to continually evolve the culture from where it is. And you'll probably see results six to nine months. I think too many organizations are looking for quick fixes. They'll roll out the latest, you know, agile is the latest method everyone's rolling out. Right, we'll roll out Scrum. That will make us successful. We'll, we'll go open plan. Right, everyone can work from home forever. That will make us successful. These are all slight tweaks that you can make, but without that foundation, that solid foundation of kind of what the staff need in order to be successful, they'll always fail. We're starting a new year and you've mentioned some quite tangible things to make sure that culture sticks. One quote that I really love in your book, which I will read out because I think it's fantastic for the start of the year. Uh, it's quoting somebody else. Change people's day one day at a time so that in a year it feels like a completely different organization. So do one thing every day that changes the culture and in a year you'll see a difference. And I think that's a really lovely thing to focus on as we start 2021. Um, so thanks, Colin, for, for all those wonderful insights. Uh, just before we go, I'm really keen to understand what your five tips would be, five actionable things that people could do uh, following this podcast. Five actionable things, God, restrict me to five. Uh, the first thing is to look at yourself. Are you being the best human being that you can be? I think, you know, culture change starts with, any kind of cultural change or evolution starts with self-aware individuals. So ask yourself if you're being the best of you. Do you know what that is? What, what are the strengths of your personality? What are your opportunities for improvement? The second thing is to take the time to define the culture that you need as a team to be successful. Um, recognize that, Great cultures are made up of great subcultures. So everyone uh, is in control of their own destiny with regards to culture. I made a name for myself doing that, but it worked. Uh, the third thing is then to have a program of events that continually evolves your culture. Don't stand still. What you don't want to do is set and forget your culture. Uh, the fourth thing to do is then share what works and what doesn't work with other people because you want to become a catalyst for cultural evolution within your organization. And then the last thing that I would suggest, and this is something for people to do in the spare time, is to listen to podcasts like this one, uh, read books, is find ways to grow and evolve your own knowledge of how to build great teams, uh, because it's a skill that will serve you well for the rest of your life. So that takes us to, in a couple of weeks, you're launching a new book called Culture Hacks. So I thought we should uh, let people know about that. And also note that Culture Fix was a finalist in the Aussie Book Awards last year. So congratulations for that. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you. So just before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share with, with our audience or pass on? Culture change requires that you start somewhere, you redefine the foundations for success and like any good house, you build on top of those. So stop telling yourself stuff is hard, pick a place to start and get cracking. And do it one day at a time. Love one it. day at a time. That's our Books That Work Culture Fix edition done and dusted. Please go to booksthatwork.co.nz and you'll find the Take 5 infographic with those five things that Colin mentioned you could try or test at work to build a vibrant culture. 
please also tell us what you think about books that work. Really keen for your feedback about what works, what doesn't, what's useful, what isn't, books you'd like us to review. And I'd love to hear the things that you've tried and tested and what the result was so that we can share it with others. And please head to our Instagram page, Books That Work, to share your ideas, books, and how you found the podcast. I'm Anna Hughes, and that's Books That Work, making work better.